Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now on today's episode, we'll be talking about sales. And sales is a very core function that you'll find in pretty much all industries. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with someone who works in sales in tech. Her name is Fabiola Cazares, and Fabiola is a sales manager with Affirm. Now, Affirm, for those of you who are not familiar, it's a financial services technology company. It's a Series E stage company co-founded by Max Lufchin, who is also the co-founder of PayPal. And Affirm has been doing really well. Fabiola has been with the company for over four years now, or close to four years now. And in today's episode, she's going to be sharing a lot of great details on what it's like to work in sales. Fabiola also transitioned from an individual contributor role to a manager role recently. And so we'll be publishing part two of this discussion as a separate episode, where she shares a lot of great insights on what her transition was like from an IC to a manager role the kind of things that she had to handle, things that were unexpected. So if any of you are going to go through that transition soon or are going through that transition, I think you'll find that discussion interesting also. All right, so with that, let's get into the discussion with Fabiola. Of course, like I always point out, if you have any questions or comments or feedback, do drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com. And of course, if you haven't already, do leave a review for the podcast whether that's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to the podcast, but do leave a review. It really helps spread the word and it's also a great way for us to get feedback from you. All right, with that, let's now listen to Fabiola on what it's like to work in sales. Hey, hello, Fabiola. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for making time for us this morning, this lovely Sunday morning. Where are you right now? So I'm actually in my hometown, um, Pasadena. I came out here to spend some time with my family and actually working from home throughout the week. So yeah. Leading up to Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, FM is the office in San Francisco or somewhere else? Yeah, so we're in um, downtown San Francisco financial district. We actually just moved offices, so pretty exciting to be there. I think there's a lot of foot traffic, and we were actually in Soma this time last year, so quite a quite a difference there. And how many people is it now? So we're a little over 450 employees. Oh, I see. And all 450 sit here in SF. We actually have some remote workers across the country and um, an office in New York. And there's a few folks there. Um, We actually opened up our second sort of flagship headquarters in Pittsburgh recently, where we're looking to expand over the course of five years, another 500 people there. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot. That's like the same same in size then. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Cool. So then, as you heard, we'll be talking about sales. So to kick things off, why don't you give us a very quick snapshot of your career path so far? 
and then what got you interested in sales? Sure. Uh, well, one thing about my career now is that it's heavily involved in um, client-facing work. And for a while, I've been in roles where I had to pitch some sort of value to a prospective client or, in some cases, volunteers. Or I knew that I had to build meaningful relationships in order to move a project forward. So while I was in school, um, in college, I did a couple of sales and marketing internships. And a firm was actually my first job out of college. Uh, what got me interested in this role was at first actually less about sales itself, but more about the potential of being part of, of a tech company, small, smart, and fast-paced team to work towards a common goal. And at the time, our sales team was much smaller. Um, we were still trying to figure out what we were doing and how we were going to achieve it. But over time, we got more and more familiar with our product market fit and eventually got to a place where we were able to build processes and continuing to hire more people. And what got me into the management position was my success as a sales rep. And that meant exceeding my quarterly goals, building trust among not just my managers and others on the team, but among others outside of our sales team. And I really tried to be as helpful as I could and provide value, even if it meant doing something that wasn't necessarily a part of my day-to-day. -day. And so I became interesting, interested, actually, in managing the team when the opportunity opened up about a year and a half ago. And since then, it's been a pretty, a pretty crazy experience, and I've definitely enjoyed it and feel that I am where I need to be right now. And fundamentally, what got me interested in a sales role on top of all of that is that I've always thought that sales and business development is truly the best place to start if you're still trying to figure out what your long-term goal is because you develop and learn the most transferable skills than you would in any other field. Okay. And this type of role um, really gives you a glimpse of what it would be like working in other types of functions. As the front lines of the company, you touch on almost everything. And at a product-driven company, I think you're also, in some cases, the voice of the customer. We get feedback about our product all the time, the good and the bad. And we're able to take that to other teams and help them evolve our product for the better. Hmm. That's very interesting. So uh, just to make sure that I understand. So Affirm was your first job out of undergrad and you joined in a sales role. Am I correct? Right. Okay. All right. And so you've been there for over three years now. And so you started out as an, as an individual contributor, and then now you've moved on into a, a more managerial position. So, okay. So yeah, we'll definitely spend some time towards the end of the episode to talk more about this transition from an IC to a manager role. But just coming back to sales. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, working in sales and working in business development sort of in the same sentence. And I would love for you to clarify that a little bit so a do you think that sales and business development are sort of intertwined or are sort of can be used interchangeably or are they very different yeah that's a good question I, I think it depends and varies by company and it, it certainly evolved at a firm as well so at, at least with us we have two separate departments um, in business development and there's a sales team but we definitely work very closely together and overlap some of our partnerships. And I think typically in sales teams, the difference in what we do and what a business development function does is we're a 
more quota carrying team. And we provide for the company more sort of direct revenue client partnerships of customers that are actually using our product. Whereas the business development function might um, help with enabling us to sell that product. So for example, BD at a firm, they help with our channel partnerships. So other technology providers that help us be able to integrate with the merchants that we're trying to work with or that we do work with. Uh, And so they might find some deals of their own that actually is uh, a part of the sales process, but it's a um, not as direct revenue driving team as the sales team is. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, would it be fair to say that a salesperson, whether you're selling directly to customers or to other enterprise companies, a sales team is much more about selling your product to the customer, whoever it is, whereas a business development person is more focused on partnerships. Would that be accurate? Yes. Yeah, I think that's pretty general, generally accurate, I would say. Okay. All right. And then you also mentioned that there's a difference around quota. So you have a specific, a salesperson has a specific quota that they have to try and meet or exceed, whereas a business development person usually will not have any quota. Right. Okay. All right. So yeah, give us an overview of like, if you were to describe sales as a function to someone, how would you describe it? Yeah. And again, I think it also depends on the company, but after having met other sales professionals, seems to be pretty similar uh, function across software and tech companies. Some may have various uh, ratios of BDRs or business development representatives, um, business development associates, sales development representatives, And for the audience, I'll probably be using those interchangeably as BDAs, BDRs, or SDRs. Um, And so they have uh, different sort of ratios of BDAs to account executives. And what account executives do is they actually close the deals. um, And the BDAs are there to um, help fill in that pipeline for AEs. And they're more sort of a lead generation engine for the sales department or the company. And your role is really to do the initial discovery and engagement of prospective clients through educating our uh, market, through emailing, through calling, um, maybe social touch points. And as you're getting meetings with some of these prospective clients, we'll set those up with for the account executive team who will then sort of manage the deal from there on. And then from there, you sort of hand that off to uh, client success managers or account managers throughout the, the sales process. So I think it varies by company, but the function itself serves as a lead generation team for the entire sales department. Okay, so okay, so this is really helpful, but I, I want to make sure that I got that because you used a bunch of terms in there sure. <laughs> interchangeably. So So the overall goal is to try and close deals with customers and have them successfully use your product. So if I understand you correctly, at the top of the funnel, you have the sales team, which is you guys, and you are responsible for lead generation. So you're the ones who are actively sourcing potential customers that you can pitch to. 
and then you're handing off those leads to what you call account executives is that correct like they are the ones who are actually talking to the customer and closing the deal yeah and i could clarify there a bit so the sales reps sdrs bdas they also engage with the prospects okay through email or through cold calling and you know hopefully we engage someone over the phone or over email and we do try to get as much information as we can earlier in the funnel to set up the AE or account exec for success during their call. And so we'll try to gather as much research and information as we can. Not all the time will a sales rep in the lead gen team get to actually speak with a prospective client, but as much information as we can gather, then we'll hand that off to the AE. I see. I see. And so then the account executive will sort of finally sort of close the loop, close the deal. And then once the customer has signed, then they are handed off to the client success manager and they are more responsible for making sure that they're able to use your product in, in, you know, as the best possible way to get them the most return on investment. Yes, right. Okay. Okay. So is the account executive then, is that also someone in the sales function or is that a separate function altogether? Yeah, it's also within the sales function. And I would say that's typically a role that a a BDA or SDR would look to transitioning into once they've sort of proven themselves and have succeeded in the sales rep role. And then that's sort of the typical path is for someone in that role to get promoted or transition into an account executive. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So then if I understand you correctly, when you're starting out and you're in a more junior function, you might be doing more lead generation and you're uh, sourcing for prospects and doing some research, maybe some initial talking to the customer to see if they're really interested. And then as you grow and you become more mature, you learn more, you might actually be involved in the negotiation and closing the deal, which makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about then like from a sales rep or a sales associate's point of view, how do you source these deals? Like, where, how do you do this lead gen? Yeah, so um, great question. And also depends on the company and the stage. But there are some sales functions that are more outbound heavy. And there are some that are more inbound heavy. And so if you're in a sales role at a company that is more inbound sales, meaning you're getting more demand from prospective clients to use your product, the sales rep would essentially use that as a a lead. And for an outbound heavy team, there's typically a list given to you or a territory, either by region or by vertical, by segment, however your company wants to segment out their territory of um, the market that they're trying to reach. Mm -hmm. And so you'll either be given a list or you'll have to source your own organizations or companies. And if you're given a list, then it's really up to you to prioritize and account manage that list, source contact information. And we sh- you know, any company should be able to give you those tools and software that enable you to find that information in an efficient way. From there, I think the role, whether that's inbound heavy or outbound heavy, your role is to qualify that prospect and gather research. Is this a good product market fit? Um, Who is the right person at that company? How would I go about reaching out to them? And what is the specific value or how can I position our value to this person for that company? 
Interesting. Okay. So uh, l- let's talk about this a little bit more. So and I, I'm imagining that this would vary a lot depending on the kind of company you're working at. Because, you know, if, if you're, let's say you're working at a very large company, such as a Google or an Amazon, uh, you'll probably have a lot of other teams that you can leverage inside the company to uh, sort of qualify a lead. Am I correct? Uh, could you clarify that question? So, so what do you mean by leveraging other teams? So what I what I mean by that is that let's say that you work at an Amazon, right? And let's say you're starting some new product inside Amazon for which you need to uh, you need to reach out to large companies. But then mm-hmm. maybe there is sort of an ads division inside Amazon that already has those relationships with those companies. So you may not have to do a lot of cold calling yourself. You might be able to just talk to that team inside Amazon to figure out who is the right person to talk to. Yes. You're referring to something we might say is a best practice of sales outreach. Hmm. You know, in any company that you're at, whether big or small, it's always best to try and leverage your internal network, external network in order to maybe get introduced to someone that you're reaching out to versus cold calling versus cold emailing. Um, It's always best to use a mutual connection and try to get maybe that person to introduce you or maybe even a referral. Or you can use that person's name in an email and say, hey, X person mentioned they have met with you in the past. Um, I was actually just talking to them about how our product could be a good fit for your company. You know, would love to run this by you and see what you think. Um, so it's definitely some a way to leverage. That is definitely a good way to um, reach out to a list of prospects that you may be trying to get in front of is by using either the teams that you're working with or the company that you work for. Yeah, definitely. Right. And so for precisely those reasons, working at a smaller company, such as an firm, you might not have a lot of internal resources that you can leverage right off the bat. So you might actually have to do a lot more sort of, you know, sales chops, so to say, to get to the same outcome. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about like, maybe you can take an example of a project that you worked on in the past as a sales associate. And talk to us a little bit about you know, how you started out, how did you start to source those leads? How did you qualify those leads? What are some interesting things that you've learned over your three years in terms of what works when you're cold mailing and things like that? Yeah. And so as a sales rep myself, before getting into a manager, I was focusing on the consumer electronics industry. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, we didn't have a list of here, are, you know, hundreds companies in the consumer electronics industry for you to reach out to. Uh, I sort of was involved in building out that initial data and that list of people to connect with within that industry. And one way to do it is if your company ends up buying data from a third party to give you a list of potentials. Once you have that list of potentials, you sort of go through it one by one, frankly. And so I actually used Google Sheets for this to literally open up every single website that was in the consumer electronics industry that sold online, that had the right e-commerce technology that worked for our product. And that was over a certain threshold of online sales. Mm. And looking through each website to see if, do they have a checkout option? 
you know, do they have some sort of signal that shows that they're working on their website? Um, are they millennial friendly? The products that they're selling, is it a good fit for our product? What is their estimated average cart size? And having to go through those one by one and update that data within our Salesforce um, system. Mm. And once you kind of go through all your companies, then I would also have other tools to find people at these companies to reach out to. And some of our buyers include, you know, a few of the C-suite executives like the CEO and CMO, CFO. And so say I want to find those three people at each company, I would search on LinkedIn, um, search through our tools that we have to find that public data. And at sometimes they, they don't have that online or for the public to see. So I would sometimes guess what people's mm. email addresses are. Yeah. And it's pretty t- typical for someone to have their first and last name as an email address or first name at company.com. And once you sort of have your list, um, you find a reason to reach out. Maybe there's a group of companies that fit a similar company background. Or maybe there's a group of companies that are selling similar products. So I would maybe bunch them into one campaign and tailor a message that's unique to that segment and find a way to position a firm to uh, make sense for that, that company or that buyer. And I would actually go through most of my emails to personalize the first sentence or two. Hmm. or maybe the the subject line because I think personalization really stands out from you know thousands of other sales reps that are also trying to reach out to these same people with their products. Hmm. And so you definitely want to try and stand out from that noise, what's unique about you or your product, what can you find about them that makes them see that you're not just you know, reaching out because they're a part of a list, but because you actually have done some research, you know that your product makes sense and, you know, we're just here to help and provide some information. This is what we do. And if you want to talk, great. And once we go through all of that outreach, we actually have a tool. um, We use SalesLoft actually to uh, maintain that follow-up persistence. So it allows us to see, you know, Monday I come into work, I have this many people to email. This is what my email is going to look like generally. And then that whole week, you're pretty much set up by that, what we call like email or call cadence. So you kind of know every day what you have to do to make sure you hit all of your touch points. And then a specific, more specifically a project that I worked on is around conference outreach, which I think is really exciting and actually one of the more interesting parts about being a sales rep is if you actually get to go to events and go to conferences to sell, that's really exciting. And so we actually went to CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show. It's put on every January and we're going again this January. Yeah. And they have exhibitors from the consumer electronics industry showing their products, you know, companies big and small. And... So I had to put a campaign around specifically for that conference and let people know, like, we'll be there. Um, We're looking to meet, trying to book in-person meetings. And once you're there, you're trying to 
not only, you know, sell your product, but you really want to build connections and get to learn the industry that you're selling to. Mm. Um, And then from there, you, you know, follow up and also try to keep those relationships going. Right, right, right. This is awesome. And this feels like such a useful skill set to develop because this is what you said right in the beginning that if you're not very sure of what you want to do, sales helps you build up such a strong suite of very, very transferable skills that you can take with you pretty much in any any aspect of life. Because basically what you're learning is how to sell something to people. And this is like, you know, this is what you're doing pretty much all the time, whether it's whether it's your product or it's yourself, you know, when you're trying to sell yourself as being good for a job or something else. So yeah, this is this is really, really helpful. And it sounds like you are pretty much on your own. Like you are right from the time of figuring out, okay, which companies I should reach out to, to uh, looking at their website, evaluating if they're a good fit for your product and then just cold mailing them. So were there any interesting lessons that you learned? Because, you know, you, you hear so much folklore that, oh, you know, this salesperson is so smooth and so charismatic. Were there some interesting things that you learned uh, that, that seemed to work as opposed to uh, sort of like, you know, your sort of secrets that you think every salesperson, every salesperson should know? Yeah, I think personally what I've learned, uh, at least at my time at a firm being a sales rep, is... Well, actually a few things, but I think the most that stand out to me is the more you know about your product and your industry, the more confident you are in just talking about it. Forget about selling and forget about, you know, like the closing, the deals and all of that that has to do with sales. But fundamentally, we're trying to educate people about a product and, you know, trying to see if there's a way that we can work together and partner. I think learning more about your territory or your market, being very knowledgeable about your product and how it works, the features that are strongest and the features that are weakest and the features that we don't have. So just having all of that ingrained in your mind and constantly talking about it, not in a way that's too like pushy or trying to make something fit that doesn't, but hey, if it doesn't fit, tell me why or what else can we do? Um, as I mentioned before, we're the front lines of the company and most of the time we hear more about our product and more feedback about our product than the product designers themselves or the product team themselves. And and so it's really up to us to take that feedback for our teams to maybe eventually evolve our product so that it it gets better. But as we're going to conferences, as we're going to events, and as we're reaching out, we have to know that the market is changing and it's evolving and it's quickly evolving. And our product is not going to stay the same forever. Mm-hmm. So what can we do to learn more about our market? What can we do to have just have conversations about what resonates and what doesn't? And if we're all in alignment, if we're all in agreement, then, hey, let's move forward. Let's continue on this partnership. And maybe it won't end in a signed partnership, but hopefully we can continue this relationship so that in the future, if our product evolves to where it does fit your company, you know, maybe we can talk then about a deal. But for now, let's just continue learning more about each other. So ultimately, I think it's mostly about relationships and 
spreading knowledge about what you know and, and what you don't know and being accepting of what you don't know and trying to find out any answers that you can about what knowledge that you're lacking, whether it's about your product or whether that's about the market that you're trying to sell into. Yeah. And so then going back to the the project flow that you described, so once you're done, like, you know, prospect all of these companies and you're sending out these emails, let's say, and I'm sure you have some sort of a, a response rate, which I don't know how much you can share, but let's say you hear back from a couple of them. What happens next? Are you the one who is engaging? How are you engaging? And is it just you who's engaging or are you then starting to involve other people also? Yeah, it's also a great question. I think it depends on the response itself. If it's an objection, the sales rep would have to maneuver around that, kind of unravel more about, you know, why do they think this about our product? Or why do you think it doesn't make sense? And trying to just understand their objections a little better. Mm-hmm. And then maybe pushing for a call or an in-person meeting, because I think words can get lost in email and it's always best to just, you know, hop on the phone or meet for um, just a few minutes to just learn more about, you know, what's not making sense. And if they agree to that meeting or a call, then the sales rep does end up handing that off to an account exec. But a lot of the times at, at a firm, the BDA does end up joining that first call. We call it a discovery call or exploratory call. And if the response is, yeah, like we're happy to chat, then same thing. They end up handing that off to an AE or they might have more questions about our product. Pricing, how does it work? Give me more detail. What is working with other companies? Can you give me a successful story about how other clients have used your product? So in that case, the BDA will still continue to engage with them and provide them more information about a firm and and then go from there. Got it. So and is an account executive the same as an account manager? You you hear a lot of people being account managers in tech. I think those are also interchangeable. There are account managers in client success teams. There are account managers on sales teams that have a list of accounts to manage in their territory. But typically, I believe account managers sit in sort of the post-sales side where they're maybe troubleshooting merchants that are having technical difficulties with products or have questions about uh, how the partnership is going. And then AEs, they have a pipeline of accounts to close um, and they're also managing them. The the difference is, of course, that it's pre-sales. I would say account managers are typically post-sales. Okay, that, that makes sense. So then in terms of career progression, let's say you start out as a sales rep. What, is, what are some career paths that you've seen people take over a period of time? Typically, sales reps would either continue on that sales path mm. or they won't. So, or they'll continue into a client-facing role or they won't. So as I mentioned earlier, I think sales reps have transferable skills that they can take in any other role. Um, I think maybe limited for engineering, but 
I do think that that role is a feeder into other departments at a company because we learn so much about the product. We do a little bit of cross-functional work across the company. We have to be well-versed in how our company works in order to be able to inform our market what we do and how we do it and why we do it. And so I think that aside from the sales typical path, I've seen others go into business development as what I was sharing earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, there is maybe some that go into recruiting because I think recruiting is pretty similar. You're selling to people instead of companies, but it's right. kind of the same thing. If you continue on to that sales path, so from a sales rep, uh, SDR, BDA, you would typically transition into either a management role like myself, manage a sales team, or you kind of get into that AE individual Mm -hmm. contributor role. You could manage AE team from there um, and continue on to managing, you know, much larger sales or becoming director of sales or VP of sales. In some cases, moving around from there. So either product marketing, product management, maybe the other marketing functions. So there's, I think, different types of roles depending on you know what, what the company has right. available. Yeah, but that, but it, it sounds like, you know, if you're interested in sales and sort of want to continue to mature in that function, two potential paths for you to take in that case are to either continue as a sales rep, but then grow into a more managerial position. And so your responsibility will grow over time and your team will grow over time. And the other option is to go into more of the account executive role where you're not just doing lead gen and qualifying those leads, but then you're also in the involved in closing out those deals. So I guess people right. can figure out which one they're interested in. Okay. All right. One additional question over there. What do you think is the typical background of a sales rep and the background of an account executive? Yeah, well, what we look for is... I guess, first of all, it's not necessarily required to have client-facing experience, at least in the entry-level position for a BDA role. So what I look for is a diverse background and obviously very helpful if you have client-facing experience. But if you have some sort of experience in going above and beyond your day-to-day, whether that's volunteering or you help lead a project, or you're doing something on the side, maybe if you're in school, it kind of shows that you're prioritized and also that you, you, your work is bigger than what you're actually doing day to day for yourself. And I think what would also help seeing is actually if you have an athletic background, it shows that you're able to work with a team to achieve a common goal. So we've actually had some reps in the past and currently that have had that have been a part of a team in school, in sports, throughout their lives. And I think that that really speaks to how much you're you're able to work with a team, again, and kind of build camaraderie from there. Mm-hmm. As an AE, I would say we do look for more client-facing experience. And definitely, if you've had closing experience, depends on the company, but and also depends on the, the seniority level that each company is looking for for an account executive. Some teams look for SDR, BDR experience, so relevant sales-facing yeah. experience. Yeah. And then there's other roles that are more senior, and in those roles, you'd have to you'd have to have some sort of closing 
um, or negotiation experience in the past. Mm, that makes sense. All right, so then uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some of your day-to-day and sort of overall what the job is like. So typically, if you're a sales rep, what kind of things, uh, what kind of problems are you trying to solve on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, sorry, as a sales rep or as a sales manager? As a sales rep. As a sales rep. Yeah, the day-to-day problems that you're facing is, frankly, prioritizing um, your your workflow. Mm-hmm. And at least on our team, everyone's different in how they manage their day-to-day. So some people like to do their calls in the morning or in the afternoon or maybe their emails in the morning and write email content in the afternoon. I think the the main thing is just setting up blocks of time to fulfill those touch points. Mm-hmm. And the sometimes the challenges are some of the distractions that can come from other teams or responses that you get in the middle of the day. Um, can give you one example is if you're reaching out to a hundred companies, ten of them are on your target list to hit for this quarter. So say you want to definitely get ten meetings this quarter with these ten companies. And one of them happens to respond to you with a unique question because they're on your top you know, priority list. You want to spend a little bit more time solving that question and making sure that it's written well enough to hopefully get a, a response, a positive response. So sometimes you might grab another BDA or an AE or myself to kind of look over your response or if it's a competitive situation and they let us know they're evaluating a competitor, that gets really tough and can really throw you off a little bit in the day-to-day. And so you really want to make sure that you're sort of addressing that challenge right then and there because you don't want to lose momentum. And so you might get research from the online of what you know that company is working on and try to craft a really beautifully well-written response in hopes mm-hmm. of getting, um, you know, yeah. a positive response back. So sometimes yeah. that can kind of throw you off. But I think that comes with the excitement that you get. Because sometimes we get no's and sometimes we have slow days and we don't get any responses at all. But when that comes up, you know, it gets really exciting. Yeah. And, you know, this again underscores the importance of understanding your product really well. And I'm, I'm guessing that you as a sales rep have to also figure out how to draw a line between trying to figure out an answer for yourself versus having to ping an engineer or a product manager to get the answer because you don't want to be going to them for each and every question. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you're saying the right thing to the customer. Right. Yeah. So how is the success of someone in sales measured? I guess over here, it's a pretty measurable thing, right? Like how many customers did you get? Yeah. The success also differs between a SDR, BDA and an AE because we have different quotas and different ways of getting rewarded for different work. For a a BDA or any sales rep, how we measure success is, you know, conversion, number of meetings, weekly productivity metrics, um, meaning we're looking at, you know, emails, calls, LinkedIn. That's Mm -hmm. the, the fundamental metrics that we're actually using in order to help continue to coach our team and see where where there are trends and if you're below that trend you know let's maybe have a conversation to see what's what's working what's not working in your workflow and then ultimately and 
probably most importantly is your quota attainment. And that's very measurable. And I think it's one of the most measurable teams actually in any company as a sales team, because it's pretty challenging to measure metrics on other teams if they're working on projects. But for us, it's numbers driven. We can see directly how many meetings an individual rep has has made and how many of those meetings ended up signing and how many of those signings actually ended up, you know, turning into successful partnerships and benefited, you know, both both sides. So this is really interesting. So so to clarify, and you're right, that it is the account executive who is actually closing the deal. So when a sales rep has a quota, is that quota a dollar amount or is that the number of meetings that you have to try and get or the number of leads that you have to try and get? What is the quota for? Yeah, it's a great question. And it also depends on each company. Everyone does it differently, honestly. It can be either dollars. So your your quota can either be dollars of however much that company was worth. And every company kind of evaluates a little differently. But it could also be number of meetings booked. Um, I know a lot of other, you know, maybe so- more software companies measure by number of meetings. And for us, we we measure, you know, there's a certain value given to each company. And if you're and that value is also in dollars amount. Hmm. And we're looking at average number of meetings booked, but that's not necessarily your quota. The quota is the, the dollar amount of value that you're bringing in. Yeah, this is interesting because I guess if you're not really involved in closing the deal, you have limited influence on whether it closes, but I guess maybe there's an indirect way of measuring how helpful you've been. What is the comm structure like then? Yeah, typically in lead generation roles, there is a base and a variable component. Um, So some companies sort of do it differently. And I see a lot of, you know, there's an on-target earnings number, and then 80% of that is maybe your base. That's kind of what you're guaranteed to earn if you're doing your job. And there's a 20% variable component to that. And that is based on your quota attainment. So 20% of your on-target earnings would be tied to your actual success in your role. All right. So then in your opinion, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of working in sales? I would say definitely... And I think I mentioned this earlier, but the events and the conferences, and in my opinion, I think it's super valuable and also very fun. Uh, And if you're your team and you're in sales and they allow you to go to conferences and just get on the field, I think that to me is the most interesting because again, you're you're actually speaking to people one-on-one and you're meeting people face-to-face. And actually, I think it's, quite funny when you meet someone in person that you've been emailing for the past maybe eight months and they didn't respond to your email <laughs> and then you see them in person and you're like hey you know I'm bad from the firm um, this is what we do and they're like oh I've never heard of a firm and I'm like well in my mind you know I've sent you so many emails and calls but and then that ends up turning into a fruitful relationship those are actually the most interesting to me at least I think it you know anyone can probably say something different I think the other thing is also stretching your creative mindset mm-hmm. and finding unique ways to reach out to a prospective client, constantly thinking about 
you know, how can you stand out from the noise? Um, how can you persuade a complete stranger that may not have even heard of your product or your company to just talk to you? Yeah. I think the last thing would be the challenge of managing objections. So managing around different unique personalities that you come across either by phone or via email or um, over a social network if you're engaging with a prospect there. And just learning more every day how you can better your sales pitch in a way that's genuine, in a way that's your style and that resonates with our um, prospective clients. Right, right. Actually, you know, that brings up a a very good point that what is the most creative thing that you've done or that you've seen someone else has done to engage with a client or to get the to get the client interested in you? Yeah, I would say I've seen leveraging a speaker event to engage with that speaker who actually happened to have been one of our clients. So one of my sales reps actually did this. She attended a industry event on an industry that she's working on. And it was a SVP of a company that we were targeting that was actually um, one of the keynote speakers of that event. And so she she had to use or find a way to use that in her outreach in a way that's not creepy and stalky, <laughs> um, but sort of personalizing it. So maybe saying something like, hey, I, t- I attended your event, was really interested in your topic and would love to learn more about it. You know, I work at a firm, kind of keep the conversation going from there. But actually using that event as a way to show the prospective client that, you know, we're actually really trying to learn more about your industry. We're not just, you know, trying to sell to you. Ultimately, of course, that's our goal. But I've seen her use that event and that speaker opportunity in a way to turn that into an actual meeting and a Mm -hmm. positive response from that person. Because otherwise, she would have been having to spend a lot of time crafting other emails that, you know, that person would have probably ignored. But because that was so personable to her, um, she really felt like, okay, look, maybe you know, it's probably worth responding to the sales <laughs> reps since they took the time to attend my event. And, you know, she probably didn't receive other inquiries like that. Yeah, personalization, I think, can probably make a lot of difference. Are there any aspects about this job that you just do not like? Yeah, the least um, is definitely the aspects of it sort of getting a little repetitive. Because it, and it takes it takes a certain mindset. Also, I think this is helpful for anyone that's looking into sales and may not know if it's the right thing for them. Mm. It does take a certain mindset of resilience and, and grit to uh, enjoy this role for a long period of time because it's not always exciting. It's not always engaging, and that we're not always getting responses, or sometimes we get no's. So I think the least part. Um, at least for me, when I was a sales rep, was getting through those down weeks, even sometimes down months when I didn't get any positive responses or even any meetings booked. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what I had to tell myself is that, you know, if you're controlling what you can control and you keep doing what you're supposed to do, the results will come. Sometimes it's just the timing or sometimes, you know, maybe just seasonality or 
could be anything, but never taking it personal. And always knowing that as long as you control what you can control, you can get through those down and tough times. And I think what really helped for me to get through those times was my team, kind of getting that excitement from my team. I can't see myself doing this alone, (laughs) but I think that was probably one of my most, or sorry, my least interesting um, parts about the role. Right. And does it also get pretty competitive? Like, you know, sales reps competing in terms of how many meetings did they get? How many responses did they get? Yeah, I actually had to answer this question the other day, too. So it's very top of mind. It does get competitive in a way if you are maybe thinking about getting a promotion or transitioning to another team. And therefore, you feel like you have to be the top performing sales rep Mm -hmm. in order to move up. But I think, and it also depends on different types of sales teams. But for us, we're more competitive with ourselves than we are with each other in terms of, you know, maybe doing better than I was last week or better than I was last quarter, or I have my own personal goal and I definitely want to achieve that versus the feeling of, oh, wow, like I feel the heat with this person. I definitely want to have more meetings than they do or more calls than they do. Sometimes it does get friendly competitive, but I wouldn't say it ever gets, you know, I don't know how to put it like nasty competition or just an unfriendly environment. I think it does depend on the sales culture though, that each company has built in their teams. And I have heard of other more competitive sales teams at other companies. And I think it's important when you're interviewing for a sales function to ask a lot of questions about what the culture is like, what the team is like, and just get a sense for, you know, if you're one to be one that thrives in a very competitive environment or one that prefers a more team collaborative environment. That's also, that also has its competitive components, but you're more competitive with yourself than you are trying to get, you know, other people. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. And then do you think there are any common misconceptions held by people about working in sales that you now know are not actually correct? Yeah, and that's actually probably one of them. So it being mm-hmm. very competitive, but in a in a way that's not efficient or not allowing you to be productive. I think that's a common misconception. Um, because you can actually thrive in a competitive environment if, again, the team culture is built to highlight and reward team collaboration. The other misconception I hear that is actually wrong in some cases, but I think maybe teams still might be this way, is that it sales is a very broy kind of culture. And there's not a lot of diverse sales team um, that you see or that you hear of. I think there's a common conception that they look a certain way, um, that there's a lot of males and they have, you know, aggressive attitudes and that they're out to always get you and be on top of you and be the more, more top performing sales rep. And what I've actually seen and actually at a firm, it's definitely not the case, but there's definitely diverse sales teams and, you know, with a lot of talk in the tech industry about building more diverse teams in general, we're going to hopefully sooner see that more and more. 
at a firm, I could proudly say our team is very diverse and, you know, half is women, half are men, and they've all kind of come from different types of backgrounds, actually in different industries and different schools. And I think that allows for a more collaborative and creative and productive sales team. So again, if you're interviewing or learning more about sales and you're early on in your career, I think it's really important, again, to ask those questions. And maybe we can chat more about that later. But maybe some of the more important questions is, how does your team work together on a project? Or does your team have individual projects? Or can you give me an example of when your team had to work together to solve a challenge and how did they all work together? Or um, how do you reward your team? And what do you reward your team outside of, you know, quota and all of that? So, yeah. Okay. So then I just have a couple of more questions from the point of view of someone who might be interested in pursuing or exploring a role in sales. So you've mentioned a couple of things, but if you were to think about sort of the top four to five to six things whether skills or qualities that you think someone needs to have in order to be successful in sales, what do you think they would be? And specifically for sales, what do you think are some things that you should have to do well? Yeah, and I will preface this by saying it's probably generic, but I do think it's very important to highlight and that it's definitely important to have those soft skills of communication, presence, relationship skills, but aside from that, I would say that I mentioned this earlier, but having resilience mm-hmm. and um, being comfortable with uncertainty. So as you're reaching out to prospective clients in a sales function, you get more no's than you do yeses. You get more questions than you do getting someone to say, yes, I'm definitely interested. And it's always uncertain what someone's going to react to when you email or when you call. So you have to have that resilience to keep going, even though you may have very slow days, as I mentioned earlier, or you get a lot of no's or negative responses. Also, problem solving, I think, is also very important in all aspects of account management because, again, you get different types of responses As you mentioned earlier, you may not want to ping an engineer or a product manager all the time to get an answer to a specific question, but, you know, use your, your knowledge that you do have about the product research in your company database first, before going to someone for a question about the product to see if any information lies there or any information lies in any of the company-wide emails being sent. And you might be able to just solve that challenge head on on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say, you know, creativity. So how are you able to stand out from the rest of the sales reps in the industry that are trying to connect with the same people that you are? So trying to be creative and, and not just, you know, blasting out mass emails that sound the same to every single prospective client. Use your creativity to find unique industry events. There are actually a lot of free events that you may find on Eventbrite or just by Googling, you know, X industry event in your area and take initiative to go after those prospective clients 
at these events that they may or may not be at, but you can use that as a way to stand out from, again, the rest of the people that are trying to connect to the same people that you are. Right. And one thing which I would love for you to maybe touch upon a little bit is, right in the beginning, you mentioned that things like communication and presence, those soft skills are, of course, really important in a role like sales. Uh, so I think, you know, some people might, it, it's easy to get an, get the impression that as a salesperson, you need to be very, very outgoing and very comfortable with talking to strangers and not shying away from speaking up in front of people who you have absolutely no idea who they are, because, you know, that's what your job is. So have you seen people who are maybe more introverted or not as comfortable with people? Have you seen those sorts of people in sales and do well in sales? Yes. And I can say that I'm actually a more introverted person than I am extroverted. Um, And I've definitely worked with peers that are more on the introverted side and have seen them be successful in the role. And one way, again, you don't you don't have to have those super strong, aggressive like sales skills, but you do have to be comfortable meeting strangers. And if you're confident in yourself and in your product and in your industry, uh, it's really simple to build relationships within that industry if you have that knowledge, because you may not always you know want to go up to someone that's a complete stranger and you're probably a little timid just to hear what their reaction would be. But I think that's, again, why you should have that resilient mindset to not allow that to bring you down. Mm -hmm. Because I've certainly grown from being a shy person to, I'm not sure what I would call myself now, but when I was shy at the time a couple of years ago, I relied heavily more on my social presence and my email presence than I did over the phone, but I still found that cold calling, it was still proving success for me. And I had to eventually come to a point where I accepted that um, I wasn't going to be as successful as I can be if I don't utilize all of my resources Mm -hmm. and I have to overcome the sphere of cold calling, which... Um, I, honestly, I still, you know, struggle with, I think uh-huh. anyone that has ever been afraid of cold calling can still say that they're probably still nervous when they pick up the phone. But once you do it and you get it over with, it's like, okay, move on. It wasn't a big deal. And eventually over time, you have to trust in your team and in your manager and your coach, your coaches to give you feedback on what you can improve on. And you'll you'll start to develop your own unique style of selling, which may not be, you know, that extroverted salesperson, but use your own strengths to to build connections and relationships. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to be someone you're not. Yeah. All right. So then uh, let's say someone wants to, you know, someone is interested in, in exploring sales and yes, they can try and get a full time job, but let's say they just want to get a sense for what the job is like. Is there something that they can do to get a sense for, well, this is what it means to to work in sales or what a salesperson does? Sure. I'd say look at your network on LinkedIn or any other professional site that allows you to build connections and use yourself as a selling point to start. Or maybe if you have an idea or a project that you're working on, but if not, just use yourself as a brand 
and reach out to a good number of people in your area you're interested in getting to know more about or that you're interested in getting to get feedback about your project or idea. I think that's, you know, you don't have to have a whole company built up, but just using yourself as a, you know, a human and individual that's trying to progress in life and reaching out to maybe, let's say, 100 people in your LinkedIn connections or any other social network, professional social network, in order to either hop on the phone with them or meet them in person in your local area. And if that excites you, then, okay, great. Now let's take it the next step. If they respond to you and they say no, and that doesn't bring you down, then great, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get a positive response and someone actually wants to talk on the phone. Great, let's set up that call. And if you're still comfortable at that point and you have that call and you tell them about yourself, like, hey, I'm interested in learning about sales and I see that you're in that sales role, tell me more. And if that just that introduction and getting to know each other kind of thing, and then also providing a way to give back. So maybe like, oh, I actually have a peer that's interested in that. Maybe, you know, I can send you their resume. So you never want to always ask someone for help if you don't maybe have anything in return to add. But um, I think maybe just having something in mind to provide that person with value, whether that's feedback about their product or their company and what you think, or maybe you have a referral for them. But I think that whole journey is essentially a sales journey that you just went through from sourcing. So you're finding someone that you're interested in getting to get feedback from Mm -hmm. and you're reaching out, you're going through the responses, the ups and downs, and then you finally get a meeting and then you talk to that person. So that excites you. Then I think this role, you know, could be right mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. And if not, you know, then, you know, maybe think about it a little, a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a, that's a great idea because that's the sort of thing which will benefit you anyway. And you're right that that's you're basically going through a sales cycle in some way. So, right. All right. So then any advice you would have for someone who's considering this role? So uh, actually, I didn't ask you, are there any resources that you would like to recommend to someone who is interested in exploring sales, wants to learn more about the function? Yes, I would say simply research any sort of software tools that are given to sales reps in order to get a sense for what the day-to-day is like. I think Mm. that could be a good start for just knowing, you know, not just about generally at a high level what the role is like but what is a day-to-day so like sales lofts and outreach I think those are probably the more well-known um, sales cadence tools definitely salesforce a lot of sales teams use that as a customer relationship management tool they actually have a lot of videos on what their product is like so just getting to know the tools that you would potentially be using And um, on top of that, also, of course, researching the the companies that you're applying for and researching the products that they sell. Could you actually see yourself selling this? Do you believe in it? Would you actually see yourself using it if you were one of their buyers? Sorry, was that, did that answer your question? No, no, it does. And uh, what were the first, uh, first two tools that you mentioned? Was it Sales Labs? Sales Loft. Sales Loft, okay. And the other one? Sales and Outreach. Outreach, okay. Oh, so these two are used for for finding contacts at companies? So they're actually used for 
managing your email campaigns or cadences. Okay. Okay. So it allows you to kind of build steps and on what days you want those steps to be completed. I see. I see. But they also provide a lot of data on how those campaigns are doing. There are other tools that you can use to find contact information. Not sure if I'm able to share what we use, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you can definitely Google, um, you know, what software you can use. And there are a few free ones that you can actually start using that are just Chrome extensions that you can plug in. Right. And are there any, you know, sales best practices or anything like that that you found helpful, like any blogs that talk about that, you know, this is how you should do a pitch and this is how you should do a cold mail? Like, is there anything like that that you follow? Yes, actually, the the tools that we use provide a lot of blogs for best practices. And I definitely could say Sales Loft and Outreach provide some blogs. And then there's Yesware. Um, They've been around for a while. And they also have blogs that you can search up um, best practices. And I I actually do really enjoy reading Yesware's blog post about sales best practices. There's also a few sales professionals in the states that have done some sales coaching and they have their own blogs. So one of the um, sales managers that I follow, he actually has uh, weekly newsletters. His name is John Barrows. Okay. So G- and he does also um, sales training for sales teams. Okay. So that's John B-A-R-R-O-W-S. Yep. All right. So then any parting advice you'd like to share with anyone who's either interested in sales or just, you know, early in their career. So general career advice. Yeah, I would say, well, I've heard this from my previous managers and also my mentors. And I think this has always stuck with me and actually can apply in a lot of different roles. Um, But what helped me throughout my sales career and transitioning into a manager was just self-reflecting on what I really enjoyed about what I'm doing now, whether that was in college or at any point of my career, what am I doing now? What is my role for this organization or this company if I'm working for someone? And what about this role do I really enjoy? And what would I like to continue to build upon as I think about my next step? And what about this role do I least enjoy and would probably prefer not to have that a part of my role? as I think about my next step and just writing that down and kind of comparing the two and accepting that in whatever role I consider next, there is not always going to be joyful moments or happy days and I'm not going to love it every day, but I want to feel fulfilled in my work and know that I'm providing meaning, uh, meaningful results for the company or organization. And for the parts that I least enjoy, if I could minimize that work as much as I can in my next role, then to me, that would be a success. And there are some people that in this world that just don't know what they want to do, you know, two, five years from now. And I'm one of those people. And there are some that know, definitely, I want to be a doctor. Definitely, I want to be a lawyer. But for those that don't, I think it's really important to just follow what you love about your current situation and where you want to grow in developing some of the skills that you think are your weakest skills. So also acknowledging where your strengths are 
and using those strengths in your next role and where your weaknesses are. And is there opportunity to develop those weaknesses in your next opportunity? That's great advice. So basically, in every job, being very honest with yourself about what do you enjoy and what is it that you don't so that you can continue to sort of expand the list of things that you enjoy as you grow in that role or or go to a new role and reduce the amount that you have to spend on um, on the things that you don't. So, yeah, Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Fabiola. We're going to spend part two on your transition to management, but thanks a lot because this gives a really, really good overview of what working in sales is like. Thank you. Uh, yeah absolutely i hope it was helpful it was it was all right i hope you enjoyed the discussion just before you leave do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website learneducatediscover.com where we share updates on new episodes a lot of career-oriented resources and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online so do check it out at learneducatediscover.com you'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website Of course, if you have any questions at all, or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, bye-bye.